The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Big episode, Jasmine. Yeah. Susan Feniger, Mary Sue Milliken. Yep. Also known as the Two Hot Tamales. Yes. Two T-O-O yes. as well. Yes. Like El Fuego. You know, hot. What, you know what I was thinking of um, as we were driving up here? Uh, I think it's the first time I ever really heard of Food Network was for Two Hot Tamales. Oh, that's because, what I was – yeah. Do you know why? Because your mom. Because my mom's a Spanish teacher. Your mom's a Spanish teacher. So, so she like, was like – had pictures of some validity, the right. Yeah. Like it was like some, some – probably just some like content she could – Record on the VCR. Uh, DM me if you need of me to course. explain what that is. But she could record it on the VCR <laughs> and bring the tape into school and show it because it, you know, it was obviously like G-rated. Exactly. Stuff. So your your mom, who was a Spanish teacher, she knew the two hot tamales and Rick so. Bayless. Probably. And that was like I remember like when I, when yes. I first when I was courting you. Yes. That 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 was impressive to her that I knew these people. They both two hot tamales, uh, Mary Sue and Susan, mean a lot to me because as like your mom was downloading those shows. I was going. She was recording them on the VCR. <laughs> I was watching Two Hot Tamales from my dorm room at the Culinary Institute of America in upstate New York as a young culinary student. Right around the time that Food Network just became a thing. Yeah. Like, and this is kind of like for those of you who listen to the podcast. I, mean, I know most of you are fans of Food Network. It's kind of like if if you don't know what Food Network was back then, you've probably heard the example of like what MTV was. Right, right. Like right. MTV yes. used to be music videos yeah. and, you know, then it became whatever it is now, TRL, basically like reality shows, reality shows and the OC <laughs> and all these sort of things and, or game shows. Yeah. And, and Food Network's kind of gone through a transition like that as well. And yeah. back in the day, most of the programming was like direct to camera cooking with a chef or in this case, two chefs who are experts in like some type of food. Right. Right. And like if you think about this, I just was thinking about this, like what a great time. For those chefs who gained this popularity, right? You had, uh, you know, the two tamales cooking Latin food and Indian food uh, sometimes. But then you had like, you know, Ming Tsai was cooking mm-hmm. Asian food and you had Bobby Flay was doing Southwestern food, right? Right. And then came Emeril and he's cooking right. New Orleans food and right. uh, Mario's cooking Italian food. It's like you just had to be sort of a personality that cooked a, a certain type uh, of food. Right, a genre. Yeah. And then they recorded you doing it. Yeah. And it sounds so simple and basic, but like there's – like I, there's a, I think there's a desire for me personally to want to get back to that sort of thing. Like, what's the next level of it? You have to find your food then. Well, no, I, and I don't necessarily. <laughs> right. Now, I mean, I think you can do it in a different way. But like the right. idea of just, unless it's Ina Garden or Giada, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure I'm missing other people too. But like the direct to camera, I know why you're shaking your head <laughs> over there because we just, everyone, we just flew in from Vegas last night, and uh, Giada's, Giada's face is. Everywhere in Las so Vegas, so huge in it's Vegas. Like, uh, she could wear a T-shirt that said "I'm I'm big in Vegas" because like it's she's big everywhere, she's but big she's in big Vegas. big in Vegas. She's it's got like a big footprint. Cher, Celine, Giada, Giada, Mariah. Like she's now Mariah. <laughs> Mariah Carey. You didn't she's see her coming face back. I saw that poster. But yeah. Giada is just destroying Vegas yeah. right now, which is kind of amazing. Crazy. And like it's interesting because like now like two of the biggest Food Network 
talents, even three, maybe you even say like Alton Brown with Good Eats back in the day, mm. like they made their name, Ina and Giada, they're cooking direct to camera. Right. So it's interesting that there's not a lot of that happening right now. And two yeah. hot tamales were arguably the pioneers of that. Yeah. Well, to go back to your MTV analogy, they, yeah. they don't even really make music videos anymore. Well, that's what, like, I, that's like, what, so, that's what I was saying. You know, it might have. I mean, it might come yeah. back. It might, you never know. I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know if the attention span of viewers right now is enough to withstand a 30 minute or it, or forbid an hour. Well, let's be honest. You know, so dump the, and stir show. Uh, pro- I mean. Producers and like direction and graphics, all of these things have come a long way too. Right. So there's certainly a way to do it and make it yeah. maybe Bunch more exciting cuts. that what was maybe, you know, an old dude roasting a chicken. Right. You know, at one point in history. Sure. Uh, but they meant a lot to me because I would watch. But that's yeah. my business idea. Have I told you about this business idea I came up with the other day? I don't think so. I don't think I did either. I think I did, actually. My idea was um, like a finishing school for hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like um, this. And it was so- basically like, like we're going to teach you how to like sew on a button and like roast a chicken and like do all oh. these like weird oh. things that oh. like you don't ever have to do but it would be so hipster if you knew how to sew did you, did you how to like... make your own soap and beard oil how to sew that's on a, a button little, that's a little how too knit how to little... roast a chicken You're, I, i'm not i'm not i'm, I'm going not, more towards going a little the, too artisan uh, for me like I, the it's, cliche version I'm going of to, a hipster yeah like okay. I'm, I'm talking about like you're teaching a hipster who doesn't have any of this kind of like super basic knowledge that like any like housewife in the 1950s would have right like okay. how to iron a tie or iron a, a, a dress shirt uh, right how to roast a chicken i'm forgetting some of my other really good ones no some... this is really really good though this is i really like idea. this idea yeah, it's like um like a um cotillion like, but so like, like there's that, a little bit for, of <laughs> but for hipsters and not like for dating kids or whatever that so th- there's a little bit of there's a little food yeah right there's a it little would just bit kind of... of it would almost be like home ec for hipsters you just blew my mind. Let's bring Home Ec back. I know. That's what it is. I There's know. no Home Ec anymore. Right, I know. Jeff needs to sew a backpack out of denim. You never know if you have to he patch might have up a your loose jeans. Button. You know? Never know. Anyways, that's my idea. I don't have a name for it, but... It's called Bring Home Ec Back. <laughs> I love it. If you haven't heard me talking about my favorite new cookware, it means you're probably new to the podcast, so welcome! Analon knows that food, cooking, eating, and life connect us, are interconnected, uh, and we know that these connections are personal and collective. They extend across histories, social lives, cultures, and that we renew and refresh them every day. You know what else we renew and refresh every day, Jasmine? Bacon fat. Our Analon Nouvelle <laughs> Copper Lux line, cooking bacon were, fat. I thought you were going there. You, you've been cooking you bacon. You've been really on me about cooking bacon a lot. It was a thing that was allowed in our dietary challenge recently. For yeah. some reason, bacon was right. allowed. So yeah. I ate a lot of it. Yeah. I don't know. This I don't is think weird. you should eat it every day, though. I don't eat it every day. Oh, <laughs> she cringed. <laughs> Almost every day. Well, anyways, but when you are making it, I'm you're making, making it, it on Analon. I'm making it in the Analon Nouvelle Copper Lux. It's hard anodized constructions, twice as hard as stainless steel. Multi-layer metal bases are crafted with copper for excellent heat conductivity. This is true. Uh, the triple-layer premium nonstick interiors are utensil safe, which is really good for you because you scrape things up in there. Yeah. You get the fork up in there, Sorry. which you shouldn't really do. I know. Easy, clean, rich nonstick exteriors. They are easy to clean. Yeah, that bacon With fat. all that bacon, that bacon fat just Yeah, because bacon can char down. a little bit and yeah. you get all the little bits yeah. and pieces. Super easy to clean. I love the rivets. Unity surface, flat, easy, clean rivets. Honestly, when I put up pictures of the Analon pots and pans, Jasmine, people DM me about the rivets. Really? People actually find them riveting. Uh, 
Oh, man. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They love it. It's their favorite part. Dishwasher safe, suitable for all stovetops, even yours, including induction if you're that person. And they're oven safe to 500 degrees Fahrenheit, not 500 degrees Celsius, which would be super, super hot. Super hot. Would be like you can't cook anything and it would just disintegrate. Lifetime warranty. If you want to know more about Analon, you can visit Macy's to shop the collection or go to analon.com now. Excellent. Really exciting. Mary Sue and Susan Feniger coming in any second. Uh, literally like queens of LA. We drove up here super early too. We so did. We uh, like the sun. I, oh, oh, this is what this is how I wanted to open the, the episode. Oh, I remember. This is how I yeah. opened it. So it's two hours before sunrise, but my podcast partner and I have been awake for five hours. We just crossed the border in Tijuana. Nice. Like every other podcast open. Yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts to like different audio of you right. rumpling up a piece of candy in the front of the car seat. Yeah. What's that over there, Jasmine? Yeah. There it was. Finally, we saw out of the right-hand window, the mystic Chupacabra. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> That's our new podcast, yeah. Unsolved Mysteries with Jasmine and Richard Blaze. <laughs> Jeff likes it. It looks like uh, Mary Sue is here and Susan Feniger is, is here. Right here. Here we go. The Let's two go. hot tamales. Enjoy. First of all, how did I even get both of you to even show up on a morning? I know. Because you guys are like rock stars. Really? I was out late last night. Very late. Uh, right. Yeah. So, I believe it, though. Out. I right. actually yeah. really was. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Seeing magic. Oh, oh my gosh. It was amazing. Were, were you at the castle? Where, where, no. Okay. I was at the Black Rabbit Rose in Hollywood. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Just speaking of hip. Like a story. Speaking yeah. of hip. I was going to say, well, this, listen, let's let's be honest. With, with the glasses, too. Like, I mean, you are the trendsetter, both of you. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of magic are we talking about? What was, like, this, like... That, I, you know, is it like top hat rabbits yeah. and like cutting people in half sort of magic? No, no, no. Sort of. It, this is like hipster. Hip. It was hipster magic, but cool little club there. Oh, club and little restaurant. It's like old Hollywood. Did you and, eat? Huh? Did you yeah. They afterwards you can eat, and they get from the little Thai place next door, and they bring it over. Oh, it's like cute. that is oh, a great so idea. That is, that's very cute. Hip. Right. That, like we don't have uh, any sort of food service program. But we got a really cool Thai place next yeah. door. Yeah, and then, and you order <laughs> well, from you, you order out. from the restaurant, and then they bring it over. It's like, okay, I love that's that the kind amazing. of place we want. Yeah. Although ja- <laughs> Jasmine great. looked at me when you said it, like, and because I, I I feel embarrassed to ask, but what is hipster magic? Well, it, like, is, you know, it was uh, we couldn't take any pictures in there, but you're in this cool little den kind of room, and the guy doing the magic, you know, his pants are tight yeah, like and short, and he's sort yeah. of. Oh, you I know, like cool. it. Yeah. He has yeah, beard oil. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely exactly. beard oil. You could have been right. the guy. Definitely. Yeah, it, it's like proposing health care legislation. Like yeah. that's what I'm thinking is could be at this time, at this day and age, how, you know, hipster magic. Maybe. But there was like yeah. a, you know, sword, <laughs> right. sword swallower, though she was oh in gosh. there. And then someone wow. singing. It was cool. Oh, we just wow. saw a sword swallower of sorts on Broadway oh, last yeah. week. Did you? Well, what? with our kids, we saw Aladdin, yeah. oh. which starts with, you know, a big sword swallowing scene. But this is a fake prop. This is a serious. I like, assume it was When you fake, swallow yeah. a sword, it's got to be a prop. I don't know if that's true. I know I, we were talking about it afterwards. I think, you know, you put your neck back in a certain position. And some people can do it. And some people can do it. Yeah. This, I, think that, I think you're right. I think that's what it is. Like, who's the guy? Who's the big, like, uh, is it David Blaine? 
That does the coffee no, no, of Chris, goldfish? That one? Yeah, the goldfish. Oh, so yeah. this is kind of culinary. <laughs> yeah, By the way, is, I yeah. love when we start an episode like this. <laughs> Um, so like, as it, I think it is, is it David Blaine who like swallows yeah. the goldfish, a live is, goldfish, and then and that take, and then regurgitates that goldfish live. alive. Still, yeah. Have you seen this trick? No. That's like. Do you want to see it? No. Not really. Not really. No, that's a, at that's all. A, takes sushi to a it's, whole different. Yeah, it is, yeah. but there's there's a tr- there's I mean there's an ingestion. There's I mean I'm not saying it's culinary yeah. specific. Yeah. But like to to to, to swallow a whole. I wonder how that goldfish, goldfish. feels. Actually, after... I think he also did it with tiny frogs. Oh, God. Yes. That is disgusting. Frogs in general or yeah. whole frogs that are alive not and being this. regurgitated? Or how do you feel about like, – now that we're switching yeah. into like maybe a serious food moment, I will come on record right here and say I'm not a big fan of frogs, eating them or cooking them even. Yeah, I, you know, I like frogs' legs. Actually, one of my hmm. – um, one of my uh, – Challenges for Top Chef Masters was frog legs. I won it. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Which always, like, also, if you do dominate something or get special recognition for cooking something, of course you love. Yeah, but then, so now yeah, I won. like them. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Before that, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's not something we've ever bought or served at no, Border Grill. No, I mean, frog legs are okay. Right. Although my one real big memory now of frogs are when in Vietnam in the market of like. Mm. The frogs there. Yeah. That was like so, a little bit much even for me. I've like, never been to Vietnam yet, but I've been to Asia. And I'm imagining that we're talking about like a barrel of live frogs in some sort of liquid. Yeah, but these are even frogs that had like – and they were still moving. Yeah. You know, and it was like, okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. At some point, I think – really, I think in my heart of heart, even though I love meat, I could be a vegetarian. For sure. Yeah. It no. just, it's too hard. Look, see, I mean, look, here are my two dogs. And then talk about, you know, or three dogs. Three dogs were, but now there. Oh, my gosh. So imagine being in Vietnam and think, or China and thinking, okay. Are, are those from, from the uh, Labrador? What, what kind of dogs Golden. are those? Goldens. Golden. Okay. Do- well, Golden, Golden Doodle, Doodle Rescue. I just put up a picture on my Instagram page. <laughs> um, I'm sure you got, you know, I know we're all friends on the social media, but of um, an image that, Jasmine helped me curate. That was yeah. uh, golden doodle or fried chicken. <laughs> like if it, if there's a blonde golden doodle, right? That's what yeah, we're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or a six piece color. of fried chicken, they look identical, and it's hard to figure <laughs> out which true. one is which: really, chicken or yeah. doodle. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a panel will, of like twelve pictures, so they're small. And if you just glance, if you find eyes, obviously you yeah. know that it is a is a duck. <laughs> Very. Interesting. There's another one with um, chihuahuas and blueberry scones. Really? Yes. Oh wow. my gosh. Oh my god. And you and honestly like you you you'd miss half if you just only got to look at it for a second. Mm, that's how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. Um so there's never been I, I don't know why I'm obsessed with this whole frog thing right now in this moment. Care. But yeah. like with Border Grill there's never and then, and again your 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 story at this point you have you've cooked so many dishes. You've never done like you've never wanted to do like a a, a, a taco with frog meat to be well uh, no yes <laughs> no you know the thing is I think you know frogs frogs aren't that abundant in uh. our country and they've never been part of our history and not even in Mexico really I don't think yeah. Asia's where frogs have just been you know historically part of the cuisine mm. so I guess you know I haven't really perfected it or thought about it I, and even when i li- worked in france did you ever cook frogs I no s- no neither 
And I think it's a good thing because all growing up, my mom used to tell me that when I was playing with the frogs, that's why I was getting warts on my hands. <laughs> yes. I didn't really want to cook them either. So did you ever go through that phase? Like for me, so like when I was, you know, much younger, a few years ago, uh, I would like if I would sometimes just buy these things just to like, okay, well, I, I can buy frogs, so I will buy frogs. Yeah. And I'll do something super creative, like I'll do buffalo instead of chicken wings, I'm gonna do buffalo frog legs. Yeah. That's a good idea. Like how do you how how have you how do you manage to not let like the creative process overtake you? Because that's a bad what I'm saying is kind of a it sounds like a good idea, but not really. You would never do that. So that's how I know it's not a great idea. <laughs> Both of you would never do do frog's legs as a no, like just, buffalo frog legs? I would. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean this was, you know, probably ten years ago, but still. Well, it makes sense because, you know, it tastes like chicken. That, this is true. <laughs> yeah. This is true. Um, but like when it comes to authenticity, I guess the bigger question I'm getting to is like how do you know when the idea is silly or it's just an idea that's coming from the wrong place, it's coming from the creative moment and not an authentic place? Mm. Well, I you know, back when we first started, we were very obsessed about that everything needed to be authentic, whether it was from India or Thailand or Japan or Mexico. We wanted to do what generations have done and maybe put our twist on it or like take our culinary, French culinary background and cook something properly. Like one of our first trips in Mexico back in the early 80s, the woman, the mother of our only guy who worked in the kitchen because we only had one guy in our tiny little kitchen. And, you know, she made pozole, showed us how to make pozole, mm. and she used like pork tenderloin or something like that. Or and we, we, we immediately, you know, identified that we would go back and make it with a pork butt, you know, yeah. and we'd braise it in a different way where she was just boiling a very lean piece of pork, you know. So we might add our our own technique, but we really were tr- – in the beginning, we were so obsessed with having it be as authentic as possible. But I think that's part of learning. You know, we wanted to really immerse ourselves and learn those cuisines, and, and we didn't want to change them or put our own spin on them or really do anything different than just bring that to our customers. But but, th- but that was in the 80s. Right, I mean, but you've seen, you've seen shifts in our in our world, right? Oh, so, yeah. So, like, that moment, there, there was that – like maybe everyone wants to do an authentic thing because we've never seen it before maybe in LA, right, at, at a certain time. But then it's like fusion comes into play. Yeah. And then everyone wants to match things. So where do you think we're yeah. at right now? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, and I'm sure it's because I'm old and stuck in my old ways. You went but... to a magic show last night. <laughs> well, You're not old or stuck in any way. I don't... <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that is that's true. true. I forgot I yeah. am here. But, yeah. but I, you know, I still am really drawn to to the authenticity of different of food from different cultures. But I think one of the important things is with chefs that have come up and working, you know, for us and are in charge of our kitchens, you know, I I feel like you have that we've had to allow there to be the freedom to explore, you know, their own their own sort of taste and direction and things that are coming up in the culinary world that I have no idea about. As long as it sort of the profile stays in the right direction. But there's certainly dishes that we put on the menu that I think taste really delicious. Some of them I just think like, why would we connect those things together? But on the other hand, I think like Mary Sue said, there's just there's the need to sort of expand and expand our knowledge and awareness, which has been helpful having, you know, chefs that are excited to explore that. And, and that's had to be a, a, a key 
point of your success, right? Being able to sort of uh, mentor and yeah. and let your team sort of grow yeah. under you. And the, and the whole world of food has just exploded in these 30 years that we've mm. been in the kitchen. We've been 30. in the kitchen 38 <laughs> together and, and Th- 40 is separately. 38 now? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> now that right. it's 2019. Yeah. I keep, we keep saying the same. It's been like about 20 years that yeah. we've been right. business Hasn't partners. It? Yeah. So yeah. we got to do the spinoff like this is 40, but for your business partnership. Like I feel like that's a show like a we should doc? like. like yeah, like, yeah. A fo- like this is 40 yeah. years of collaborating. Well, that'll be next year. All right, I think. 81. No, it'll 81 be 20. is when we... 20, right. when we 2021. We have time for pre-production. Two years. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's get ahead of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we started involved. working together in 78 yeah. right. at, a, at, at La Perroquet in Chicago. Yeah. So, See? so it's been 40. It has that's been 40. That's what we met, yeah. yeah. But we're trying to find ways to shorten that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Might as well. Yeah. Whatever I say, you know, it's been like, you know, 38 years, Milken. Just, just say 30 I feel like go the other way with it. Say 50. I know. Yeah. That's what I Because mean. at this point, like, that's like, I mean, it's a, it's a metric that is unparalleled, right? Yeah. I mean, I can't think of any, uh, you know, I, it's hard to even think of like one business that has survived that long. To do it as collaborators mm-hmm. and to still be doing it. A lot I mean, of therapy. If I get to five years with a business partner... Right. I've like that's I'm like okay if it ends tomorrow we got to five years. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, you know, that's a good I've run. known her husband now fifty five years. Okay. That's uh-huh. that's amazing. That's amazing. Right? She introduced right. me to him. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Actually, she she was married to him first. Oh, tried him go. out. And yeah. I have her try to... everything. Yeah. First. That's good. good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> That's good. That's why it's worked so well. There's still a lot of things I've got to try before then she's going to do it. There you go. There you go. Um, How do you feel about, and I said, this is something, first of all, I I do this a lot. Well, I don't do this a lot because I don't have people of your status in the room often. No offense to whoever was here last (laughs) week. You mean this hip? This this hip, this cool. Like you meant a lot to my personal journey. Just I, I was in culinary school watching Two Hot Tamales. Really? In like what was the early days of Food Network. When, right. Especially when you're a young culinary student and you're like just so hungry and thirsty for knowledge to then all of a sudden be in a dorm room in the beginning of where, oh, I can just turn on a channel and watch people cook and talk about food. At the, in the middle of the night, that's when our show always played. <laughs> my, my, this was before class, after class. You know, you know how the cycles yeah. were. You, you guys were just on all of the time. Right. Uh, and it meant a lot to me. Like, because um, as someone who was pretty basic, who c- still considers myself pretty basic, <laughs> like the flavors you were, you know, using and the way that you were talking about food, this was not something that we were learning in culinary school and it was nothing that I saw. So you both mean a lot to me. Oh, thank um, you. And I, obviously now you're you're winning awards that are like these legend awards these icon awards do you f- how does it feel to be legendary well you cringe old. a little bit when i say old. that okay? <laughs> oh but, but man, the, I, no okay. it's it's um i think you know this latest award was probably the most amazing now which one is this because it's been many this is the uh, julia child foundation the smithsonian award that yes. was that was quite an amazing weekend and sort of surreal i mean you Walk into the Smithsonian and you pass the Batmobile mm-hmm. on your way. That- Do you have to kick away the tumbleweed to get to it? Oh no! Okay. And then, then they have you know they've they've actually curated. The curators came out from Washington D.C. and spent a couple days with me and Susan in our archives of just junk that mm-hmm. we have from our careers, and they chose things to put in the permanent collection. 
you know, a knife kit, uh, some notes from Susan to her parents, you know, little recipe books from our first couple of trips down to Mexico, driving around in a VW bug, sleeping in flea bag hotels. Who was saving all that? Did did we both, both of you saved little, little I guess pieces? Or? Susan's mom was a good pack rat. Yeah, she had a lot of stuff. Yeah, 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 we've got, you know, both my siblings hate me because, you know, <laughs> my mom had like, you know, on, on the wall pictures of Mary Sue and I everywhere and articles and they'd walk in. It was like the shrine. They said it was a shrine to me, so they both hate me, but <laughs> they, they do not. They love you. There's a hundred candles but in this room. It, you know, we had so much stuff. I, I mean... I'm sure Milliken organized it. I'm way a much better. Be- than, I'm much yeah. better at keeping. Like the first cookbook we ever wrote, City Cuisine, mm. we were so off the charts, naive and crazy. You know, we somebody said, "Why don't you write a cookbook?" We said, "Okay." We went to New York and uh, on the red eye in the middle of a snowstorm. We went to six meetings. Susan fell asleep in a couple of them. I fell asleep, literally sitting there. You know, we're in the middle of the winter and with a publisher and, you know, talking like this far away. And their office was like about the size of a quarter. No offense to any of my previous publishers (laughs) who might be listening to this. Not an incredibly dynamic group of people. (laughs) And and we're sitting there one-on-one and Mary Sue and I are talking and then I'm, you know, all freezing outside and then I'm in my warm coat and all of a sudden I'm just like... Like this. Yeah. And I'm trying to just keep the attention. Don't look over there. I'm trying to keep the attention eye to eye. Keep talking to me. Don't look over there. I'm trying to think now as someone who has attempted to sell many television shows and hasn't quite yet, that that might be a good strategy. (laughs) This person thinks so little of us, perhaps, that they're sleeping during the pitch. They must be the right person (laughs) for the show. So we sold the book. We had had a mock-up with us that was um, in a book in a a box, and, and then you opened it up and it had acetate covers and it had a spiral binding so you opened it up and all the pages were plastic and it was in the golden section it was designed by this one of our customers this great guy Mike Fink and you know this is the prototype yes Yes, and it was so Fabulous. So right. we're selling it. So fabulous. It. The, the whole story goes back to the, the Smithsonian now has that mock-up uh, cool. in their collection. But, you know, the, the the publishers were laughing us out of their offices like, God, what are you, crazy? <laughs> and it was like the yeah. perfect book because we were saying, okay, well, it'll lay flat in the kitchen. Right. So someone yeah. can follow the recipe. And if they spill oil on it, you wipe off the pages. Right. Like, it's the perfect book. And it, was, totally. it had, like, vellum. And totally it was practical. Beautifully yeah. I mean, designed. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. And they just scrapped it. Yeah. They well, did. they didn't even there want was it. There was we got we got one offer for seven thousand dollars and we took it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And they of course said, "Well, we're not going to do exactly this, not but, even anything you know, like it." But it was yeah. one of the best. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty much how it all. I think we're going to cover a little bit of that at the end of the <laughs> podcast. But right, we're, listen, we don't want to do this. But can you do a hundred chicken recipes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, a thousand. Right, right. <laughs> we love all of it, but can, but can it all be chicken? Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. We no love your can, idea. No but, one can yeah. find lard. Yeah. Can we just use like a neutral oil for everything? <laughs> yes. Right? Okay. And yes. we really love your idea, but we're not good. We're going to take away the spiral and, you know, and we're going to just use paper. Yep. And, yeah. But it's a great idea. Now, so like who came? You, were you at CES? I was just at CES. I was. Okay, so I just got You were there well. too. Yeah, I was there <gasps> um, for one day. We both were there. Yeah. Wasn't that and awesome? Amazing. But do you realize cool. like um, I'm just realizing that you – I saw one of the, the uh, prototype sort of things I saw was a tablet for recipes that you can put in the sink, right? Like this is like where <laughs> the technology is gone. you can put in the sink? Yeah, it's a tablet, the whole tablet. So you like, can wash awesome. it. 
even right. if it you're gets just, dirty. Right. So as you're cooking through recipes, like, oh, I can just put it under the sink that and wash it. That was your idea. They you just had that idea <laughs> in whatever year this was. In the Stone Age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you invented it. Yeah, we did. Right. Yeah. Um, That's cool. It probably still a silly idea, though. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like from the who, la- I don't know. The laminated I like. Who needs it? Went Susan wrong. and I were uh, spokespeople for Kohler for a s- short amount of time Ooh. when they first uh, launched their cooking sink. So they had a, a this you know it was a big flop but oh. they they put the liked it. the sink in the counter and you could actually put you know af- you could fill it up and put the food in and cook in there. Oh. It was quite huh. amazing. Yeah. It, it came like water came to a boil might, in no time. Come back, you never know. That, I mean that needs to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've done cool some thing. We did yeah. like st- clam bakes, clam yeah. boils and all kinds of steam tamales and make pasta. And, you know, we did a whole recipe book for it them. It did yeah. flop, though. It did flop. There is but, a point. Well, this is interesting <laughs> now that we're talking about this. is like, especially like I, I associate your cuisine with, you know, Soulful. That's all you. Um, you have to split. We, uh, yeah, so I don't know what They only happened. had one, so um, guys share. Your, your food, you know, I, I, the rustic's not the word. Well, soulful, I think, is the perfect word for what, what both Thank of you, you do. Thank you. I'll take that as um, a supreme compliment. Do you, do you feel like technology gets in the way of that? Often, I, I do as someone who's known as like supposedly a big tech chef that like when you're looking at a, a, a tool like I was looking at, there was one I saw at CS. It's a it's a oven that will identify the ingredients that you put in it. So like if, if my ovens, if I'm cooking broccoli, my oven will say that's broccoli. Right. I, that's a little too much. Like I don't need mm-hmm. ingredient recognition software to roast some broccoli. <laughs> if you yeah. do... <laughs> It's a, I don't think you should be spending the $10,000 on the oven or whatever it is. Do you think that technology is at odds with soulful cooking? Um, yeah, a little bit. But I, I'm also a futurist. You know, I do think that people need and crave, you know, human connection and holding their food and touching it and, do, you know, learning about it and, you know, being connected to their food and to each other. But um, – but also, you know, God, I can't predict where the world's going. So I kind of feel like I loved being at CES because I feel like the future is so fascinating and important and mm. exciting. And some of those ideas are going to fall away and some of them are going to stick. And, you know, they'll, or they'll lead to the great, the great. Yes. Idea, so right? th- throw everything at the wall because we need, especially where the food system comes in. I mean, I was there with Impossible food. Oh, nice. Yes, and we friends. were launching uh, the 2.0 burger, which have you tasted? No. Um, I don't know if I've had the 2.0 no, burger. No, we've only had the regular had, one. Well, it yeah. only, it just came out. It just was burger or whatever it was. It, so yeah. you CES. haven't had it. Yeah. Okay. The 2.0. <laughs> so this is even more... Well, they've completely changed the formula. A hundred, like a oh, hundred wow. degrees ch- change. Which so was pretty good to begin with. It yeah, was pretty sure. good. Right. But now you can grill it and you can brown it in a pan and it has a Really delicious flavor, has less sodium, less fat, um, bioavailable iron, you know. And I'm all about thinking, you know, how are we going to feed 10 billion people when my grandkids get born? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh What is that going to be? That's when my kids are about 80. (laughs) But, you know, I think we have to worry about that. Yeah. It's it's something that weighs on me a lot. And I think chefs especially need to take – take their jobs and their platforms more seriously and think about like how can they be part of the solution and it's easy as can be to use a lot of salt and fat and sugar and make food taste good 
and addictive, but that's irresponsible. And I think chefs have to really take own that in a bigger way. Yeah. Like how well, many calories am I putting on that plate? What is it really healthful for your body and for the planet? Was it you know sourced sustainably? And can this be something that my grandkids can? Is this a system that works for my grandkids? Yeah. yeah. Well said. I mean, I've noticed recently too with myself is um, I'm trying to be healthier, and and uh, it's all because of you, yeah. Jasmine. You know yeah. this. Um, is like also as as like just our palates. Um, like every time I do a cleanse yeah. and I don't do sugar yeah, or, or you know added salt, whatever it is for a little while. When you come back off, when I come back off of that cleanse, recently I remember we were at a Dodgers game and I had a Dodgers dog and a diet cola of whatever it was. And it was the saltiest and the sweetest two things I've ever tasted in my life because for the last two weeks I didn't have any sugar or salt, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we we train ourselves sadly to tolerate a lot. I'm on a rant here, but well, we tolerate a... more salt and sugar and stuff like that because yeah, we and... know like it tastes better, tastes better, tastes better. And little yeah, children yeah. who are coming to school and mm-hmm. we're trying to, you know, I work a lot with Share of Strength and doing a lot of uh, childhood hunger issues. And I see them and they can't, they're not, they, the fresh fruit doesn't taste good to them because their palates are so already trained to this apple needs caramel yeah right. yeah like, <laughs> like, what, what are you guys doing yeah. apples need caramel everyone knows that i'm six years old i get it um all right what about what are your thoughts uh susan on the on the technology soulful yeah i mean i i think that i mean i like there was uh someone that i was talking to and we were, they were talking about their new product which is the and i'm sure it's not that new anymore the refrigerator that you know as you know you can be grocery mm-hmm. shopping and then it has you know the it can look inside and tell you what's in there. And it just seems, I mean, again, I think the same thing. It's important that we move forward and new things are happening. And, and, and I think it does raise your awareness and it's exciting on some levels. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it really does take away from it, something being soulful. But I think, I mean, I, I still believe that when you look into the roots of sort of where things have come from and as you travel, and I think as you, you know, when you're traveling around Southeast Asia or you're traveling anywhere, you know, there's still the importance of what people are doing every day in their diets, how they're eating, how they're cooking. That's important to always have that be the backbone of what you're doing, whether you're using technology or not. Yeah. Um, you know, we it, personally, I haven't probably embraced a lot of the new technologies, but Sometimes when one of our chefs does something that is very ahead of my time, I am sort of amazed by the flavor profiles that can come out of that. And mm. I think it's interesting to explore. It's just the whole, I think it's the next level. But, you know, losing the soul of anything in your life, I think, is a shame. And so how do you keep that and continue to grow and progress? Yeah. It's, it's I, mean, I, have a, I have kind of a different view on the technology mm. piece, just because I think we're seeing people cook less and less, you know, every day. And, and if, if it takes technology or someone, an oven that can recognize broccoli or a refrigerator that can tell you your eggs are about to go bad or whatever, that, that maybe that brings more people back into the kitchen or makes them attempt it at least. Yeah, or no, g- gives them back sure. some time, or or that because right, whatever it, it is, it seems like time is what um, what society, especially in America, right? You know, we're starved for time that we can hang out together and cook together. So, like, if your refrigerator tells you you need to buy butter, and you can just say, "Hey, Alexa." Buy right. some butter, <laughs> right? <laughs> then you've you've saved yeah. yourself an hour. Yeah, yeah. efficiency yeah. is great. Like, yeah. if it well, always was, is efficiency. That was a, I'm sure you saw it at CES. It's all like integration. Yeah. Everything is about integration. Like, how can you have your dog 
caller tell you that it needs dog food because it ate the last. You know, it's it's right. it's insane. It's, like, it's gonna continue. <laughs> it's gonna. It will always, as it always has in history, things progress. I mean, when Food Network first started, whoever thought there'd be any interest in a channel all with food. Right. I mean, nobody thought that when Food Network first right. started. Now there's like a poker channel and a tennis channel but, and everything channel. You know, there's but there's um, a, uh, a dollhouse furniture building channel that I just invented right now, but I want to do it. I want to design kitchens idea. for yeah. dollhouses. But good you know, idea. you think about that and you think like, okay, that really, that changed the face of what we do. Now you have all these young kids and adults, men and women who are all passionate about not being professional chefs, but cooking at home. And, you know, so now cooking in farmer's markets, all mm. those things have sort of shifted along with the time. So I'm sure there's going to be the next phase of what, you know, what brings us closer in many ways to our roots, but then also takes us further away. So I think they sort of work parallel. Mm. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. And the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home or from your smartphone in your home. Just go to True Car, enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions, and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in, and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need. So there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school. Make sure to stick around after this podcast to get the latest headlines from the AP News Minute. Can't get enough Richard Blaze? Then take a listen to any of Podcast One's other fantastic food shows. Every Wednesday, Michelle Davis and Matt Holloway of Forked Up, a Thug Kitchen podcast, serve up their own brand of food, politics, and pop culture. And chef Rick Bayless and food journalist Steve Delinsky team up every Wednesday to travel the globe while tackling food trends on The Feed. Check out Thug Kitchen and The Feed every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now back to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Are you okay with playing some games, chefs? Sure. Okay, so this will because of the fact that you've been so successful over a number of years, like you said, you have said spans decades. You've seen a lot of things that have changed, right? So this is gonna be a sort of then and now, would you rather back then or now? Right? Is that kind of Okay. Which work? do you prefer? Which yeah. do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you can split it up however you want or just jump in and, and just We'll tackle these because I'm kind of excited about this because things have changed. Even And we'll start right now, first of all, before I even do this. Two hot tamales. When is this coming back? Because yeah. every show think is, about every, every show TV show that's out right now. It's Will and Grace and Murphy Brown. right? Every I mean, the Avengers are not new, everyone. They were a comic book in the 60s. Yeah. Like this is all just, just this really stuff that was really good a, a while back, bringing it back. We need to bring back two hot tamales. Is it happening? 
We'll, well you, you work on that. Back yeah. <laughs> when, when you're pitching all those TV yeah, shows, great. Yeah. Okay. as you're leaving, when you think they're so, not going to bite, <laughs> yeah. say, what about no, the two hot tamales? First of all, we've all been in these rooms idea, because yeah. that's well said. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. my last hook is going to be two hot tamales, just <laughs> right. so you know. You, got, you, you should say to them, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. you've got like, you know, 400 in your, you know archives there why don't you just pull out a few of those right uh-huh. well i have this has have you seen this happen yet with two out tamales are you like um uh like we've been asked to, to podcast like t- huh. television yeah. shows in their entirety from that were you know from whatever like or it's like top there are people that are that, like um I, I think someone podcasted uh beverly hills 90210 the entire right. season wow or friends or something like that we should do that with two hot tamales like, <laughs> yeah. 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 review all of them. we're gonna we're gonna podcast every single episode how many did you say 400 oh. there's yeah. so, there's yeah. some good ones yeah. there's yeah. some funny ones <laughs> <laughs> I bet there are, but I mean, is there a desire? Would there there is a desire? Yeah. To, would you do it again? Yeah, we okay. we actually were developing a show with Michael Eisner um, a couple of years ago that didn't get sold. Yeah. Right, but it was a it wasn't it, a cooking show. It was a sitcom. Of, it was no, but it was going to have food. It was going to yeah, have recipes yeah. and a website and right. the whole blah blah blah. It was a hybrid. It was yes. a hybrid yeah. Yeah. Uh, sitcom. See, oh, yeah. I think Everybody's we're like yeah. I think there's some like commonality. Yeah, here. yeah. we can we can sure. make yeah. something okay. happen. Then and now we get back into it. I'm going to petition for the two Atamales. Uh, to, 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 to reboot uh, morning show TV segments the big ones now we're talking like major network you know today's show Good Morning America these sort of things then and now which ones did you prefer or what are the differences even oh I liked them then better oh nice why yeah because we were on them oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. That's we have, I mean, when I've was last time? Clips. I think the last time I was on the Today Show must have been like three or four years ago. Well, that no one, no, no one's. It's so all when they, just. Uh, when was the first time you went influencers, on influencers? Yeah. Social media influencers. <laughs> when was the first time you went on Today, Today Show? Good Morning America. One, yeah. one of those. I think. Boy, maybe ninety three, ninety four. Okay, yeah. something like with that. a book, probably with right. City Cuisine. Might have been later. I mean, might have been late eighties. Yeah, that book came out in eighty seven or so. Did they have a food stylist? No, oh, no. no. We well, had to bring everything. Right, it was a nightmare. That's what. But, that's where I'm going with it. It's still sort of a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. it's you know, always I'm sort yeah. of amazed. It's just a different with today's nightmare, show. Right? Yeah, it's always. I mean, the big, the big one, the big network like national shows. But that's what you're saying is they didn't. They there weren't food stylists, right? And so, so it was kind of also really organic and fun, and you got to really you know control everything. And then when you went on, you went on, and it was really exciting. Mm. Now it's more you know it's it's they, all it's now wrote. depending on the show. Yeah. And to, to be clear, we're not calling any specific uh, show out. But like now, it's like there's stylists and unions. And like you show up for a big box show like that, and like you're not even allowed to touch no, no, you, your own food. Yeah, and you have to go in like a day early to look at. Oh, the, look at yeah. it. It's the like walk really? the thirty like, minute walkthrough for the yeah. three minute segment of yeah. a dish that you've been that, cooking for ten years. And if right. you get a word in <laughs> between oh, the hosts, oh, oh, see, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. And so, also, we were we they paired us. We got on this thing of them pairing us with uh, Hoda and Kathy Lee. Right. That, always, just like. <laughs> What about like one or the other? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, well, yeah. The, well, the multiple host is a challenging thing, right? Yeah, and especially with multiple guests. Because yeah. we we right. actually made a whole deal in the beginning of you know we're not going to go on just one of us, and people would be like, well, we can't have two of you on. We'd like, <laughs> okay, don't have us on then. So that's a difference. Where right now I feel like that's also like a big like uh, you know one of my, Michael Voltaggio, a good friend of ours, and the Voltaggio brothers. There's a lot of times when I'm I'm sitting in a room stewing by myself, and I'm like, if I just had a brother. <laughs> I can make this thing pop if I just had a brother you know like um, it was hysterical we never back then we never ever did one thing separate ever 
Yeah. So it was true. Like if you know, Good Morning America or any of them wanted us to come, and they'd say, "No, we can only take one of you." We just say, "Well, we're not. We're, we're not, not coming." It. Now, I mean, was that just out of like keeping everything copacetic, or was it? I mean, because it almost is a brand decision. Or yeah, it just was builds it the, your brand? I think it was a brand like. decision, and yeah. it was sort of a you know, we're not. Um, you know, for fear that one of us would get more popular than the other yeah. one or whatever. Yeah. I, I think it was a foundational thing in the beginning. It's yeah, like and I don't, I don't think we ever, we didn't think like, okay, this is our brand. We yeah, just didn't no. think, we just did, we yeah. thought like, we never even really, we never discussed it. We just never did it. Yeah. We just, it was a natural, I think it was very natural. It was like, we're just doing this together. There wasn't yeah. this uh, like almost famous, one of my favorite movies where the band <laughs> is getting into an argument and they're like, we had this deal. I was the lead singer. You're the bass player with Mystique. There was never any sort of like <laughs> something said over a cocktail that was like, this is how it is. Right. No, but but over 40 years, you know, we have uh, diverged from that. Like we, we do things separately a lot. Right. Like you had said you, you have a tendency today. to be more yeah. organized, perhaps, I think <laughs> you said earlier in the podcast. So you, you figured out what your, where your strengths are, the, where your joys and, are. And yeah, we've just gotten more, more, you know, confident in our own who we are, I and, think. And naturally in the, you know, from the very beginning, we would lean towards the areas that we were strongest in and most comfortable in. And we did that from the very beginning. But in terms of sort of doing things separately, that... For sure in the last, you know, whatever, say seven, eight, nine, ten years maybe, we just have been able to do things like I may do TV, she may do TV separate. We have different, you know, passions, Susan projects. opened her own restaurant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, wrote her own cookbook. So, I, so like when this when this happened, when you're getting asked now then at, at a certain point to do this and you're getting pulled out, did, did you have a, a meeting that was like how are we going to handle sort of being solo acts also? Yeah, like you're like the Wu-Tang Clan here. Like yeah. you have an album, you have an album, you're together. Album. Yeah. Like what yeah. is the genius going to do when Method Man's over here? Like this is... I think mainly when I went to Open Street, that we had to really sort of talk about so that we could figure out, okay, what does that mean? Mm. But then I think once that happened, then we sort of, I think it gave us the freedom to do those kinds of things, media things separate. Yeah. As far as us always doing the things that we were more passionate about, that was never, you know, an issue. We have different, you know, nonprofits that were both that that were both immersed in and also ones that I'm very passionate about and boards that I'm on that Mary Sue's not on. So that's always been something. We've always been very flexible with ourselves and how we respect what each other's passions are. And that's I think that's really great. what's made our partnership work for so so long yeah. um, because otherwise how do you grow. how do you stay in a partnership or how do you grow? change right, right. yeah have yeah. you ever have, have John and Vinny ever asked you for consultation <laughs> as no, podcast not yet, podcast no. friends of ours not I was just saying if I, if I saw if I was you and I saw them at an event or something I would just be like if it wasn't for us you wouldn't be doing this for us <laughs> But yet, I say, because yeah, yeah. They, they probably will consult us at some point. I, I bet. I bet. Um, okay. Then and now, food festivals. Now, you come to these festivals. It's uh, They're probably very different than they were in the 80s. Or maybe they're not. Uh, or maybe, maybe they're, they're the not. I don't know. Same. Then or now on well, food probably, festivals. I could say then. And the reason for me is that, you know, those were the moments when friends that were chef friends when – we all saw each other and got together, and it was really sort of a nice collaboration of people that in our industry that you didn't get to see very mm. often. Now, I think that still happens, but because so many of the people that we grew up with, so it would be, you know, people like Piero and Jonathan Waxman and Alice and Ruth Reichel. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. so that yeah. was a really 
fun time in our careers. Now it's changed quite dramatically, and the and the events are way bigger, and there's right. so many more. Yeah, mm. I mean Watch now the they're. Waxman's still, I mean, he, <laughs> he's still on the road. Yeah. You guys are still, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, we, we get asked to do one or two a month. When yeah. In the old days, we'd do right. three or four a year and right. max. So do you think it's because the festivals have become more of a business? Yeah. Then, like, you're saying almost like it was like a work conference almost in the, mm-hmm. in the back then. And now it's almost more, it's like it's obviously a business thing. And, well, yeah. people are so much more interested in food now than they were back when we started. So now I think there's way more demand, not only for fundraisers, but right. for food festivals. So there's a festival now for every single thing you can imagine. I mean, you know how it is. It's for everything. Yes, and the requests are... Uh, frequent, right? Yes. Exactly. Overwhelming. Um, you had just mentioned it, food media, right? Like there's so much interest in food right now, then or now, when it just comes to the, the general coverage of our industry. I have to say, I think social media for restaurants is fantastic. Magic, mm. right? Yeah. It's just wonderful sure. that you can have access to the public without having to have there be a food reviewer who reviews you. So I love the ability to sort of reach out to the public without necessarily a PR team, without spending that kind of money. I think it gives you this amazing ability to touch your customers. One of the reasons we started the food truck, Border Grill food truck, was that we wanted to be able to have also access to the people who weren't necessarily coming in to Mm. eat in our restaurants that could come in and get a taco for, you know, three bucks or three fifty and be able to eat our food and you get it gave you immediate contact to the customer, and I loved that, and I think that's what social media does. So, and and the fact that food is in the media so much is just it's a good thing all the way around now because you know the younger generation is being really influenced about you know the importance of food and how they how it affects their bodies and their minds, and I'm I'm hoping you know I mean I I loved the old cooking shows that we did that were really instructional. And I mourn that they're they're not as instructional now, and they're mm. more. So that was the next one. Is we'll get right into it. Was food TV specifically right? So you're talking mm. about the more yeah. was then was more direct to camera. We're talking about Julia Child, what you did for a number of years, right? And now maybe it's all competition or docu series, follow doc sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd say then forget whether yeah. we were on or not. Sure. I think in terms of teaching people mm. how to cook. And that part of it, I think, was wonderful. And you have someone like Julia, who was so entertaining at the same time. But you would learn from that. So I'm hoping it comes full circle. I Mm. feel like it is. I mean, I just my talk at CS this year was that that um, that it's sort of like uh, the energy of the of our TV world. You know, food TV sort of was way up here with my boy Guy Fieri, who's like, yeah, let's do it. We're gonna do this. And then there's like this slow podcast sort of energy and. You know, like you, you know, dare I say, YouTube energy, and then the middle though is this, you know, personalities who know what they're doing, talking direct to the consumer or to the person who's going to be cooking that night. I feel like it's coming back. There's a lot to be yeah. gained yeah. from Cause, cause, real pros teaching because you don't. Yeah. Th- I mean, maybe on a Sunday block in the morning on Food Network, maybe if you're watching Ina or Giada or something like that, but that, that doesn't really exist. Yeah, but and but, you know yeah. the, I think the thing that has always hit me about where the food TV has gone is you get these young chefs who've never experienced really working, you know, over those years to learn a lot about running a business, about running a kitchen, that suddenly win a show 
and now someone backs them and they go to open up a restaurant. They have no Mm -hmm. idea what they're Mm -hmm. doing. And maybe they end up in debt. Maybe they, you know, it's all a learning experience. But I do think it sets the interest for young chefs to be like, can I be a a TV star versus a chef? So it's a different career path for sure. Unbelievable. One of the ones I have on the list here is Young Cooks. Where you know then, the, then. young yeah. cooks then right? <laughs> without a doubt right so this yeah. is and this is probably because this is what you're saying is like every once in a while someone's gonna roll up and be like I want to be a TV star I want to be a molecular gastronomist I want to be a philanthropist like well first we have to make hollandaise sauce <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> we, we have to cook to butcher for yeah. ten years yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is right yeah um, so I think that that is one of the and I agree with that. That's echoed from almost every chef we've had on. Is every chef, oh, every yeah. business owner, like you yeah. said, too. But I like the way that you put it, that it's also like in protection of their careers because no one wants to close a restaurant. Like I have. Mm-hmm. I, I must, we you, have. You have? Yeah. Okay. And like no one wants to be in debt. No one wants to go through a business partner breakup and all these things that we do go through. And some of it is because everything moves so fast. Right. You win a game show. Right. And now, you know, you're on the cover of a magazine and it doesn't really mean anything. Right. Um the one, you, you mentioned it briefly when we were talking about media coverage, food criticism and critics. Then or now, and I'll, of course, we'll just take a quick moment to just acknowledge Jonathan Gold and every, all the, the greatness that he brought to us. And I know that he was a, an incredible fan of yours and you of him. And a good friend. Um, but as far as criticism and critics, then or now? No. I would say because – there's more. Okay. You know, it, back then, you you really had like one shot at it. Yeah. You got one review and if they mm. happened, you know, they, you just didn't get, you know, it was really like, oh, my God, when that review comes out, you know, right. every right. word you read and you worried about, you know, we were very lucky. We, we've gotten some, especially in the early days. But now I feel like it's... Um, it's more democratized. You know, there's a lot of different people critiquing your food. It's the thrillist and eater and, you know, the paper, the newspapers, New York Times, LA Times, you know, magazines. And then there's Yelp and all the, you know, the, the, you know, non-professional people, you know, critiquing your food. But I, I do feel like I like that. I like that there's just more, more, Opinions in the room. I feel like that's you wearing your restaurateur hat, perhaps, right? Because I think that, but from the, sh- I mean, I, I, I would just, do you feel the same way, Susan? Or Well, yes, I do think that what's happened through the, and through social media, it's the same sort of thing, or the, all the online abilities to have people review what you're doing. That has sort of shifted, so it isn't just dependent on, that one LA Times food writer, because there have been those times where I think there are the writers that you think like that person just does not get. Like Jonathan got what we did. Right. But there may have been, you know, someone else who didn't get and wasn't drawn to the kind of food that we do. So, or, and I think that happens that there's many different, smaller, interesting restaurants that don't ever get reviewed by the LA Times or by New York Times. Now, you have this amazing ability for people to become aware of great little tiny interesting you know eclectic restaurants that they never would have known about so mm-hmm. that's where i think today it's it's uh, i i agree but for relevant. a second i'll play the other side here is that like there is something that's like even when i came up as a you know young cook in new york city and you got the new york times review of the restaurant where you were working like there was a romanticism about the one big review for sure um, that I don't think we really have in most markets, at least. I mean, maybe 
I mean, cer- certainly L.A. and New York and the, the San Francisco, these big markets, Chicago. But outside of that, it's the Wild West. Yeah, and, and, I think especially well, New York, though. I yeah. mean, New York almost exclusively, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah. I want. I didn't want to like leave out <laughs> any of the true. big markets. But, but New yeah. York is really like a different animal in the restaurant community when it comes to the critique and the review, and you know, the the intense, intense competitiveness of every restaurant yeah. there and restaurateur yeah. and chef. I mean, I've never felt like it was that way in in LA, even in the eighties or nineties. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The but pressure's it, off a bit. What What I think though is even in New York still now, what's too bad is that. You know, if it, there's so many amazing restaurants there that don't ever get yeah. a review. So, you know, in that way, I think even today and with the ability to have all these other sort of avenues for someone to get recognized is wonderful. And particularly in New York, where there's so many restaurants, whoever knows where to go. Yeah, there is. It's almost like, you know, using the film analogy, there was always sort of like a, a best a best film category. Now there's just so many categories. Right. You can oh, yeah. be the best in so many little uh, niche ways. That's yeah. kind of uh, unreal. Uh, what about this one? We're kind of talking about it. New York versus LA. The LA food scene. Then or no? <laughs> As business owners, I know. <laughs> you, I mean, this is probably. But well, what, or I, even now, not, not what do you prefer? Like, what's the diff- Like, what's the biggest difference? But, from, but like, now, the 80s, 90s I mean, to- I think LA is finally <coughs> being recognized for the incredible food yeah. city it's been all these decades, and I think it's um, it's just magic because now people are you know. Everybody is moving here and opening restaurant. David mm-hmm. Chang has his restaurant. We've got um, Jonathan. Just, yep, mm-hmm. Jonathan's here. I mean, yeah, I don't even remember who, but but I think yeah, Fergus think- is coming. You know, um, it's exciting, and and it's it, it, but it's always been exciting, right? So, so that's something though. I think if you're not a Los Angelino, like maybe you don't know that it's always been here. There's always been great food. It's always been a diverse food city, right? But now though, it's getting a lot more coverage and a lot because you have people like Chang's a great example. I mean, and, I think and, that's a Jonathan, yeah, and Jonathan worked for 25 years to make this city what it is, you know, to recognize the kind of diversity and beauty in the food scene here. And he's, you know, he really changed the way we all look at food. Mm. Well, and it is interesting when you think about um, the people in our industry. I mean, think of like Wolf and Alice and, you know, Jonathan started here and, you know, there, and, you know, Michael McCarthy, there's just, there's, you know, there, that's all from 35, 40 years. And that's right. a foundation that's still here. Right. So you know, we're all still kicking. Right. We're all still doing the, the, you know, getting up every morning, going to the market. And the thing though, that I have to say that was so amazing and always has been for throughout our whole career is that there was such camaraderie from day one, no Mm. matter what, if you needed help with anything or a question answered or calling someone. Remember when Wolfgang called the produce company? Yeah. Yeah. When we first opened city cafe and we had like one double door refrigerator. So we had to order like three zucchini, two peppers. (laughs) Right. Right. And, and it was needed three orders a day and the produce company wouldn't deliver. And I had worked for Wolf at Maison when he was the chef there and so I called him and just said, Wolf, you got, can you help us get the produce company? They have to deliver to us every day. We don't have room. So he called and he said, those girls are going to be something someday. You better deliver to them. Wow, and they wow. did. If that is, do you think that that's just some like, uh, as a native New Yorker, like that's just like cool West Coast vibes? Like we all look out for each other, like surf's up, like, yeah, we're just all in this together. Because like in New York, 
has the tendency to be like, or at least back then, especially even more so, like a little more cutthroat. And yeah, like, rah, rah, rah. competition. Yeah. Definitely yeah. never ever felt that way. Truly, I remember Suzanne uh, going when yeah. she was finishing college, came and talked to Mary Sue and I about sort of her career and sort of where you know what she wanted to do and getting input. And that is how I feel like our industry here has been. There's never, you know, Nancy and Mark opened down the street from City and. We just there was there was really a family feel, and that's what I meant with the events that we did. Many of us did this, the events all the time, and it was very family feeling, and never felt cutthroat ever. Yeah. Well, I also want to uh, thank you because, like, we've interacted at different moments in festivals and television shows, and you're always so incredibly kind, right? Like, I, I you don't have to be. Like, that's the thing. Like, you, you've achieved so much, you can just be like. I built this thing, kid. Like, get out of here. Scram. You're on a TV show. Um, but I, I'm, I'm amazed at, like, where our industry is right now. And, and it, it's not just yourselves, but, like, when we talk about a Jonathan Waxman or even people that I've worked for that, like, I was, you know, uh, almost afraid of when I worked for them, the Danielle Belus and the Thomas Kellers of the world, how connected they are to, like, understanding, like, yeah, okay, so you want a TV show and you opened up a restaurant. I'm still going to be kind to you because there's been a shift and, like, it's just – I don't know. I guess I'm just saying thank you. Yeah. Um, but like you don't have to be nice to a young cook who just But we're up. in the hospitality business, you mm. know. I think it's in your blood and you want to be hospitable to everybody uh, in your in your sphere. You know, it's like you want to take care of others. That's why we cook, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But I think that's what surprised me so much about this Me Too movement when it hit our industry so hard last year. I think I felt like it was a huge like – getting hit by a truck because I thought everybody was treating right. people in the back of the house and, and, and you know, we're, we were all treating each other like our guests because right. we're so good at it. We know how to do this, yeah. right. you know? Yeah. And I guess um, it, we'd owned our own restaurant for 35, 40 years and we hadn't, right. you know, a lot of these guys were fr- our, our friends of mine. Right. And, and, you know, I feel like, wow, you know, uh, I'm surprised. I was really surprised. And I feel like we have the resilience in our, our um, industry to bounce back faster because we, unlike tech or, you know, other industries, we know how to treat people well. Right. Yeah. And so all we have to do is turn that on our staff and our, mm. our, our internal mm. culture, which Susan and I have always done. But I think it has yeah. to, everybody has to do that. Yeah. I've never heard it put that's that way, a, though. Yeah, but that's, that's like really, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's kind sense. of amazing. Yeah, right. it's, our, it's our guests. Like, you know, we always say, like, the kitchen is the stage and the curtain goes up and it's 5 o'clock. And, right. You know, right. but the curtain's always like that, – that, the point should be the curtain's always up. Like, yeah. we need to be on stage. Uh, for we, our team. If we're, for our team. But Very I, well, so. I also want to say that I think, you know, for me, there's nothing more rewarding in our business than the – for me, the kids are the – you know, young adults that are coming up in the kitchen and being able to be there for them, no matter what, whether, you know, they come and they're trying to, you know, make a statement of who they are right. or they're young, sarcastic punks and, you know, <laughs> they 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 don't even think they're serious and then suddenly they become serious. It's just, it's so rewarding to me to be able to see that. And we're just, I just quickly, I'll tell you, we're doing, um, I'm on the board of the Los Angeles LGBT Center and we are our 50 year anniversary is this spring and oh. we're putting on our new campus we have this kitchen that we're putting in the culinary kitchen and we're going to do a program for so many of these youth this lgbt youth on the street here in LA that are going to be living there and part of the program there 100 new beds for youth 
and be able to be trained if they're interested in the kitchen where it creates a family. They have, you know, if they were kicked out of their family, now they have this new family. They're going to be learning skills to be able to go out into the world and make a living. And they have that support system, which kitchens are so wonderful to be able to create. 100%. So I'm so excited for these kids to be able to have their family. And I'm excited for Border Grill to be able to hire them because yeah, me too. We, need, yeah. we need cooks. Well, one of my favorite, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, a television show that I have not had picked up, but is the, I like filming that. Like filming, like, because you just said something that I got goosebumps when you said it. It's like, I was talking to one of my chefs who's running a concept in St. Louis right now, and I'm sort of consulting, and I was like, you know, do you talk to the front of the house staff every day? Because, like, if you just talk to them about what dry aged beef is or whatever this is, you're going to turn one of those people is going to end up being your general manager three years from now. Right. And like, and that shift, I'm getting goosebumps again, like really, really big right now, uh, is like, you know, turning people onto our industry and like, wow, it's, it's cultural. It's everything. Like we don't really have, like obviously it's why we're in this business. It's not a nine to five. You go in and you sit in an office. It's like culture. It's around us all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're learning about life and uh, just, it's so, it's, I want to film so that great. though. I want to yeah, film, uh, like I want to film like that restaurant training aspect of it. Cause I think that's Jamie Oliver did the 15. Did you ever see that show? I yeah. love that idea. Yeah. yeah it's, like, it's really exciting. Here's some young people and we're going to, you know, some of them are going to like catch the fever of this industry and, and turn into amazing it, we, chefs. We have a, a kid in our kitchen right now. His name's Gabe. Never been in a kitchen before. Came through the Highland Youth Center from the LGBT Center. Came no experience at all. When he did have a home, his mom cooked and that was it. Came into our kitchen and literally, like within three weeks, I had talked to the different cooks in there. And, you know, cooks can be tough. They're, you know, they're the right. biggest Critics. judges. Yes. Right. <laughs> and this kid has like picked it up so quickly and said to me after like three weeks in the kitchen, I think I found my career. This oh, is wow. I love being here. And this has become his family now. It's yeah. really wonderful. He was at our staff party with his girlfriend and just... You know, he's comfortable because I think restaurants have always been like theater, I think, you know, whoever you are, straight, gay, you know, trans, whether you're, you know, strong or you're weak or you're quiet or, you know, you're loud. There's a team that happens there. I think it's probably, you know, it's gentle and caring. And at least that's what we want to think it always is. But there is a support system there that's so important for youth as they're growing up. And so... Yeah. I think yeah. it'll be an amazing way to be able for Mary Sue to hire some of the people who <laughs> go through this program. I like that. The the business, but there it is. Uh, the, the, cat, the, the freshman recruiting class is yeah. right there. Um, you both look so amazing. The last one we're going to cover is just chef fashion. Chef fashion, then and now. Yes. <laughs> I mean... Good, I good mean, question. I, I, I'm trying to think. So taking back to, like you said, the early 80s, right? We're talking about... Like, are we houndstooth pants and starchy mm-hmm. chef coats? Now, you've always been had the iconic, like, colors, colors, colors on yeah. your chef jackets. You kind yeah. of started that. We did when we, well, when we started Food Network, we were both like, how are we going to wear white jackets? How are we going to differentiate ourselves, yeah. too? Because, you know, there were a bunch of white guys in white coats. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so, I, Mary Sue's husband dyed our first jacket mm. at home in the. In the with Rit Dye. Yeah, yeah, with Rit Dye. In a bucket. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And we wore That's those great. on our first show. 
Food Network. So wow. I would say no. So you just showed up though with those jackets. With it wasn't jackets. like someone said. So no, no producers no. Was like don't wear white. No, 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 right. no. Yeah. No. Yeah. no. They were surprised. They were like, oh, colors. And we were like, yeah, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. We wear this all the time. <laughs> this yeah. is who we are. Yeah. yeah. And then you know, but I would say with the one, I would say now, but with the caveat that um, I love something about the real, like a, at least the real design of the chef coat. Right. You know, rather than a t-shirt or a dishwasher shirt or I know that. And, and, you know, a lot of people just – but I loved – when I became – you know, went to chef school in 77, you know, the double-breasted thing had – it made sense because you spilled something down the one side and you could reverse it. Right, right. And then it also, like, you could pull it away from your body if anything hot dripped on you. Same with your steel-toed shoes and your pants. And so I, I felt like there was all – everything had a purpose. And now I feel like we've lost a little mm. bit of that yeah. sort of um, – There is. Flip-flops might look yeah. good. <laughs> But you don't want to spill goulash on it. Converse yeah. in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. Don't, yeah. And way back then, when uh, I would go to India, I'd take one of our chef jackets and pants, each of ours, and go into the little village there, buy the cotton, the cotton, you know, all different colors, and then we'd go wash them, like let it blow dry in the wind, and then take it back in and have our chef's clothes made, like 10, 10 uniforms each for like three bucks each. Wow. And we would wear those, you know, wow. for years until my next trip there. And, Amazing. So, what are you That's rocking good. in the kitchen nowadays, though? So, like, if you if you come in, you're 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 jumping on to see how the team's doing. You're just gonna well, walk through the, the line. And- yeah, I always have. You know, my whatever color I have in my chef coat, I try to wear the same color socks. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And yeah. other than that, I I have you know def- I have I wear a bunch of different versions of black and white pants. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm still. They're not. You know, they're a little more fashionable than yeah. the. The, 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 the brick guard or the up, uh, I mean, Yeah, I still wear, like 99% of the time, I still wear, like, you know, chefs wear pants and jackets, you know, colors. Although every time I show up, like right now I have on jeans, and when I walk into the kitchen, all the kitchen got, kids will be like, wow, is this casual day casual today? <laughs> it is Friday, casual Friday, there we go. Well, jeans are not safe in the kitchen. Well. And not, because if you do spill on your on your skin, yeah. they ju- it just keeps that hot. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, see, I should stop wearing jeans in the kitchen. Yeah. I like those big baggy pants. With you know, the great thing about those pants are that you know they have the elastic waistline. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> the good true. and the bad thing. As someone about who's them. wearing an elastic waistline <laughs> yeah. pair of pants right now, yeah. uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We're gonna do another one. You want to do another one one day? If I can, I would love wrangle that. you yes. somehow. I don't even know how we managed. To, I would like, love that. Yeah, uh, bring fabulous. You in. Last thing we do on starving for attention is uh, play. Well, it's not really playing, but it's called eighty six. It's 86. One thing in the world that you want at 86, it can be as serious or not as you want it to be. Uh, the most popular answer has been Caesar salad. Oh, uh, interesting. Oddly. Yeah, yeah, people feel very strongly Poor about Caesar it on salad. both ends. I love Caesar salad. Uh, yeah, that's weird. I do I too. Who wants to jump in first? If I were going to say 86 and it didn't have to do with food, I'd yeah. say guilt. Okay. But, yeah, it doesn't have to do with food. Okay. You know, I like that. Can you expand on that for a second? Well, I think, you know, um, I, I'm so used to being in, you know, in kitchens and feeling and like in that mode of working, you know, 12, 13 hour days. And so part of what I'm working on is how do I like, you know, leave after an eight hour day? And not feel like mm. I've been slacking and hardly worked at all. So that's guilt driven, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah. guilt. But if I were going to give you a food, that's product, your own personal therapy thing. I just yes, make, okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's <laughs> nice. I think. Yeah. You know, we would never be partners still if we hadn't both been in therapy. <laughs> right there, you go. There yeah, you go. That, that's um, the key to a partnership. But if I had to do a food product, 
micro cilantro. Ooh. Jesus, I just like cannot. I love that. You do. You love. No, no, I love oh. that. You. I, I agree with. I that. just don't even yeah. get that. And like, tweezers, like putting oh, a the tweezers. Like, we have an issue. I mean, that one. I will. I, the tweezers. They, I mean, every once in a while, it's you know. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So anti tweezers. Yeah. You're young. Anti micro cilantro. <laughs> yeah. So like, do you like tongs? Yeah. So there's tiny yeah, tongs. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, I, I like, yeah, okay. exactly. But the micro cilantro, I will. Because, like, like uh, there's nothing with a, a mature cilantro stem. Yeah, just put. Also, it's delicious. Yeah, just, So delicious. Yeah. 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 Or you want it to be, like, delicate, put the cilantro leaf on it, which is a big bite of flavor. Right. Yeah. So then, what, how do you feel about cilantro haters who just can't, it tastes like soap? Yeah, I don't get that, no. but you know, yeah, like, but, you... I think it's a genetic thing. Yeah, yeah. I think, okay. I think they have some That's weird they kind of DNA. It is a DNA totally. thing. I think. I'm not sure. Great. Uh, amazing answers, by the way, except for the tweezers. But no, that's your. We, your, got, your we only got one eighty-six, though. We uh, have to do. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm saying I yeah, would eighty-six. No, well, I, it's funny. I was thinking about it on my way here too, because that was the one question they told me you might ask. Right. It's only because we had one forty-five no minute pause happening. from someone, uh, and then they said Caesar salad. I'm just I would <laughs> crazy. And uh, the thing I came up with was worry. <laughs> Maybe you've been working together for a while. <laughs> Maybe. But, you know, worry is such a wasted energy. You know, mm. you cannot – worrying about the future is, is it means you're not in the present. You're mm-hmm. not here mm. and now. Your feet and your head are not in the same place, and it's very um, – it's a waste. Like, I wasted so much of my life worrying mm. about nothing, worrying about mm. things that – didn't happen and you know if i worry about the kitchen or i worry about a restaurant or i worry about one of the kids that works for us or i worry about you know finances or i worry about my son or my husband it just doesn't do me any good mm. so i would 86 worry good. and that's so on trend by the way both of yeah. you because now i mean mindfulness yeah. and being calm and right as a as there's a yogi sitting next to me like these are all things that like it does like we worry about and we, and we feel guilt about all of these things yeah, that yeah. aren't really that important, certainly in the big picture. Yeah. And probably not even in our own little worlds. Right. Yeah. And as far as food goes, I, you know, I, I hate to say I would 86. I would only 86 this for me personally, which I've already 86 it for me personally. Right. So it doesn't really matter. But I cannot eat insects. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. I just it, there, there's I had that as a challenge for um, mm. Top Chef Masters, and I was like, oh my god, I got two beetles out of the jar, and I just charred them until they were deep, deep, deep dark black. <laughs> yeah. That's it. So they tasted like ass. You, you, yeah. You, right. you, yeah. you toss a bunch of spices on it, and that's the only only way to do. Yeah. I agree with you, but it's I, not my favorite thing either. I realize that that might be one of the proteins of the future, and I'm a futurist, so I'm gonna keep my mind open and yeah. hope that you know they I make, hope that you die before. Yeah. That's what yeah, everybody you need has to eat. Well, or just. Yeah, to have people d- just make crickets into something that we call something different. Like Palatable. if it's a flower or – Right. Yeah. You yeah. just yeah. grind it up yeah. and flavor and some salt Don't tell it. me what it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we're going to do it again, I hope. Hey, everyone. Uh, I know you love this episode. Do us a favor. Jump on over to iTunes and give us a review and subscribe. It's free to subscribe. And uh, this is the only five-star thing that I've ever done. So uh, help us continue the trend wow. uh, and drop us a nice uh, a rating. And until next week, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You make this all happen, and we love you very, very much. And thank you to our sponsors, who we also like. 
a lot. Anilon, Nouvelle Copper Lux. You can visit Macy's to shop the collection or go to Anilon.com now. And TrueCar. I mean, where would we be without TrueCar? Visit TrueCar for a better car buying experience. Until next week, stay hungry. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.